0: Hey there online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. Before we start the message, I just want to call to remembrance what God's spoken to us about this year, 2023. That this is a year of fulfillment in our lives, a year of expansion, where God wants to do some amazing things among us. And uh, with the launch of the second campus in Wisconsin Rapids, as things continue to develop there, we'll at some point announce the time, but it'll probably be later this fall, where we'll begin to have services there. There's still some renovations and things taking place that need to be done and as we build our launch team and, and work with that effort. And if that's something you want to be involved in, there is opportunity. And then also the expansion of this campus here. And we are at the point where we're about to sign contracts to begin to move in the architectural design phase as we plan to prepare for the gymnasium, the expansion of facilities to serve more families in this community through our child care and through our Christian school, and also expand our worship space. So that's all up and coming, and I'm excited just to kind of keep you up to date with things where things are at. So this morning, we want to pray. So let's join our faith together, and we're going to talk about a worship lifestyle, or living a lifestyle of worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to gather together in this place. And right now, we invite the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, to inspire us through the Word of God, and through what's spoken and declared. Father, I yield myself to you to be your servant today, your vessel that you can work through. I step into the grace, Lord God, for the call that I've received to serve your people. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Now, as I look across this congregation, I realize that there's people, and you may be at one place, and other people might be at another place, So there's varied need, there's various perspectives, there's situations that you're dealing with and going through. And so I believe by the Spirit of God, he's able to meet each and every one of you at your point of need through the word that's going to be declared and spoken. So my encouragement for you is to receive what God has for you. And again, this morning's message is Living a Lifestyle of Worship. We're continuing in our series, which is entitled In His Presence or we could condense the title to Worship Lifestyle. So are you ready for the Word of God this morning? I'll open up to Luke chapter 4, verse 8, and we're going to start here with the words of Jesus. And so today's challenge to each and every one of you is to embrace a worship lifestyle and to make that a determination in your life. And see, Things won't change in your life until you make a decision, until you make a determination. And I believe this is a challenge to you to make a decision today before you leave that will radically impact your life in your Christian walk with God. So Luke chapter 4 verse 8, and the backdrop of this is Jesus, after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that time of fasting and prayer, Satan came to tempt him. And in that temptation, Jesus was able to respond by speaking the word of God and uh, addressing that. And he overcame the temptation. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. But in Luke 4.8, the scripture declares... And Jesus answered him. He's speaking directly to Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It's written, that's one of the commandments, that you worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And and that challenge I put out before you right now, now God does not merely want your lip service. Um, In fact, in in Matthew 5.18, Jesus said, and he was quoting from Isaiah 29.13, and he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And so we can give God our lip service, but that's not what he's after. He wants you to express worship from your heart. And as Andy was talking about, um, even in giving, it's, it's a heart issue. And so that's something that needs to be observed. So, and as we minister to you from the Word of God, and this is kind of just maybe a little side journey, a rabbit trail, whatever you want to call it. uh, My challenge to you is to make the Word of God your default. In other words, when you're going through a situation, you're dealing with a situation or circumstance that maybe you've got questions, you have uncertainties, default to the Word what does the Bible say? Because I believe the Bible has something relevant to address every issue, every situation, and every circumstance that you may be facing in life. So make the word of God your default, okay? And that's another challenge. I think I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, okay? I hope you're okay with that. So feel free to write down statements if you're taking notes this morning, and this is a good one. Worship is one way we can be in His presence. When we consider being in the presence of God, worship is one way that we can be in His presence and experience Him. And I think sometimes you would like to be maybe in the presence of someone, um, and you may not have an opportunity to, maybe somebody who's famous, somebody who's great in, in, the, you know, in your estimation anyway. But we can be in the presence of the creator of this universe. And that's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible. What does, and this is a question just to pose before you, what does a worship lifestyle or lifestyle worship look like? That's what we want to kind of unpack today. And I believe one element of that is making worship a focus of your daily experience in whatever you do. Okay, so how do we do that? See, the fact is, we were created to worship. Uh, And it's really inviting God into our world, into our life, into our activities. He doesn't want to be excluded from any part of your life. And In Colossians, you can look at this with me. Um, Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so anything you do do in his name or on his behalf and you give thanks, thanks is one expression of worship. So uh, whether you're mowing the lawn, guess what? You can give thanks. You can worship God in that encounter or It's bringing God into your daily experience and whatever you're doing and whatever you enjoy. You're acknowledging the Lord in some capacity. Here's a quote from Henry Blackaby. He said, It's impossible to worship God and remain unchanged. It's impossible to worship God and remain unchanged. You will be changed in his presence. Oswald Chambers made a statement and he said, worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Scripture tells us that we love him because he first loved us. God's given us his best. Certainly, we can give him our best. Here's another quote by C.S. Lewis. He states, it is in the process of being worshiped that God communicates his presence to men. That's so significant. Now, all of us have lifestyle choices, don't we? Uh, We all make them. But what is the criteria that determines your choice in the lifestyle that you choose? And it really depends on the influence that influences your lifestyle choice. And what is that based on? So influence is a factor. And so what we need to do is to consider the influence of God's word. Because if you subject yourself to the influence of God's Word, then I believe you will embrace a lifestyle of worship. Um, Adrian Wilson Tozer, in a quote, I have a lot of quotes today, I was was doing some study, and I love quotes from men of God, women of God, that are relevant to what we're talking about. So um, Tozer states, if your life does not worship God, Your lips do not worship God either. And now this isn't necessarily in conflict of what I said earlier, that we just can't give God our lip service. But if you are sincerely worshiping God, then it will be made known through what you say and what you speak. I think sometimes if you could just monitor your tongue and listen to yourself, you might realize that you're more negative than you thought you were, or that you may not be acknowledging God in your life as much as you should be acknowledging him. Because if you acknowledge him in all of your ways, then he will bring direction into your life. He will begin to straighten things out in your life and make your path straight. So choosing a lifestyle of worship is a personal determination. Choosing a lifestyle of worship is a personal determination. And by nature, again, we're beings who were created to worship. Yet what we worship or who we worship, makes a big difference. Here's, I think, I got two more quotes. This is one of them, by John Wimber. And John Wimber uh, is a powerful man that uh, was used of God to bring an expression of worship in this earth, um, in the leading the ministry of the vineyard. But he stated, our heart's desire should be to worship God. We have been designed by God for this purpose, if we don't worship God, we'll worship something or someone else. And that's so true. Why? Because we've been created to worship. Worship of idols is what we call idolatry, uh, which is the worship of any created object or being other than God. Now, what we need to do is, let me make this statement because this one you want to write down. Okay? Worship is not just a song that you sing to God. It's the life that you live before him. It's not just singing a song. This morning we all sing the song. But it's the life that we live before him. That's your true worship. Okay, um, Singing and uh, playing instruments to glorify God is only one element or aspect of how we express worship to God. Okay, So cultivate the practice of what I call unscheduled worship to take a praise break in your day. Maybe you're working in the office, you're at the desk and you're just frustrated. Just take a moment and say, Lord, I'm going to take a praise break. I'm just going to take this moment and acknowledge your presence. I'm just going to embrace the peace of God that passes understanding in this moment. I'm going to just reach out to you in faith to access your presence. And I tell you, If you take a few occasional praise breaks throughout your day, your day will be different. I can promise you that. Can you say amen? Okay. All right. Worship acknowledges God for who he is. And then we see praise, a little different than worship, thanks him for what he has done or what he's about to do in your life. So God, I believe, is to be exclusive in our worship. If it actually it, it realized, realized that there's things we shouldn't worship. Um, we shouldn't worship departed saints. We shouldn't worship the devil. That's obvious, right? We shouldn't worship angels, any person. We shouldn't worship money or any other created thing. So uh, anything can become an object of worship if we make it an idol in our life. And I think sometimes we can be unaware of that. So we have to come before God, Lord, remove any idols in my life that might be obstructing my worship towards you. So, Psalm 1611, this has been kind of the theme verse we've been using in this series. In the English Standard Version, it reads, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now, realize the word of God states that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So there's no greater joy than living in his presence. And obviously, this is going to greatly impact your lifestyle. So I have, um, I want to maybe share a couple of thoughts here. Because lifestyle is, is someone's way of living and is defined as a style of living that reflects the attitudes and the values of a person. There are healthy lifestyle choices and there are unhealthy lifestyle choices. These are, there's only really two categories. You're choosing something healthy as a lifestyle choice or something unhealthy. And we promote healthy lifestyle choices that reflect and honor God in His Word. Okay, So His presence can make a difference in your life. His presence can calm the raging storm. It can drive out fear and doubt. His presence can open blinded eyes. His presence can reveal truth to expose the lies of deception. His presence can comfort, encourage, and build up the discouraged. His presence can heal the broken-hearted and set the captive free. His presence can transform and change a life. See, there's a truth that we cannot deny, and that is we are changed in his presence. Now, can people tell that you've been in God's presence? Well, maybe they should. In the book of Acts we see where Peter and John were called to the side by the religious leaders of the day, and they had this discussion with them, and they were saying, don't talk about this Jesus. But something that was noted about them is that they had been with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. and, And let me tell you, when you spend time with Jesus, people will begin to take notice. They really will. So mankind was created for his presence, yet fell from his presence because of sin, and Jesus, in his work of redemption, restores us to his presence. So true worship brings God's manifest presence into our lives. So I have three things that we need to know about living a worship lifestyle. Number one, taking notes, a worship lifestyle requires a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I call this spiritual hunger. And it's good to have a good appetite, right? For the right things. Turn with me to Matthew 5, chapter 6. And this is one of the Beatitudes as Jesus in his discourse is talking about important elements that we need to embrace in our personal lives. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. One translation says they shall be filled. So there's a satisfaction, there's a filling that comes when we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, again, as we said last week, is his right order, his divine order that we embrace in our life. And so as we seek after and hunger and thirst for his right order in our life, then there will become this sense of satisfaction. And I tell you, people are looking for satisfaction, they're looking for fulfillment in life. So what are you hungering and thirsting for? The reason for an unsatisfied life, I believe, is a result of an unsurrendered heart. You fail to surrender to Him, and so consequently you live and unsatisfied life. You begin to seek out so much that the world offers that you fail to receive what God has offered you because you failed to surrender to him. So my challenge to you is, is surrender to him. And I believe with your surrendered heart, you will be able to find satisfaction in Christ. Now, Psalms 145, verse 16, we're going to throw a few scriptures out there at you. Psalms 145, 16, it says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Now, that's God's intent, to satisfy the desire of anything living. And that includes bugs, that includes your cat, your dog. He desires, according to his word, to satisfy the desire of everything living. Now, Jeremiah 31, 25 says, for I will satisfy the weary soul and everything languishing will I replenish. In other words, at the moment of weariness or you're just languishing, you're going through a difficult time, God will satisfy you in that moment. His righteousness, I believe, is the object of our spiritual hunger and thirst, which is for his right order in our life. Hunger, I believe, is the determining factor of your intimacy with God. Uh, And one way you can say that your hunger is your spiritual thermometer. How hungry are you for the things of God? A number of years ago, um, I was in prayer, and the Lord began to speak to me, and I, I may have shared this recently, but I think it's worth sharing again. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I've called you to minister to hungry people. And my first reaction to that is, okay, what are we doing to feed the hungry? And we support a mission, uh, an organization that's called Feed the Hungry, uh, and we do stuff in the community to help uh, meet needs of people that need, you know, food resources. And so I'm thinking about that, but then the Lord corrected me. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about physical hunger. I'm talking about spiritual hunger. And and I realized that I do best when I'm speaking and ministering to people that are hungry for the things of God. and Going to Africa, being here at home, your spiritual hunger is important and significant for what I've been called to accomplish in my pastoral calling. I'm called to minister to people that are hungry. So if you're not hungry, you may may not like me, you may not receive from me, Um, but if you're hungry, I believe you're going to get something out of this, even today say amen. All right. So protect your appetite. Um, you are going to hunger what you're feeding on. And, and when we think about hunger and thirst, to have a good appetite is a, is a sign that you are healthy, right? And the first thing that usually happens when you're sick is you lose your appetite. And then you don't want to eat. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. But I think we see a spiritual parallel Uh, to a natural function in our bodies, to spiritual hunger and thirst that results, I believe, in blessing in our life. Um, Some have, I believe, lost their appetite for good food because they've been feeding on the junk food. You know, if you're eating snacks and everything and it's time for dinner and your wife calls everybody to the table, you're not hungry because you just had a a Hershey's chocolate bar. You, you just had uh, some uh, Fritos or something like that. You know? You've been eating on junk food, so you're not going to be hungry for the good stuff. Okay, And so think about that in parallel to a spiritual hunger for Jesus. Now Jesus, I believe, is the only one that can satisfy the longing of the human heart. He's the only one. That can satisfy the longing of a human heart. In John 6:35, Jesus said to them. He's speaking to the crowd, speaking to his disciples, and he said, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst." In other words, hunger and thirst are fulfilled and satisfied in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we come to him, he will satisfy your hunger. If you come to him, he will satisfy your thirst. Point number two, a worship lifestyle focuses on how we worship. Okay, so this is the how we worship. Uh, First one was more uh, who we worship, but now we want to focus on how we worship. And let me just, if you you can turn there to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at uh, the situation where Jesus met with this woman at the well, and she had some issues in her life. And in Jesus' encounter with this woman, Jesus was discussing worship. Um, And he basically was bringing the point across, it's not the place we worship that matters, but it's how we worship that matters. And so in John 4, setting at verse 23, the scripture, we'll pick it up from there. It says, But the hour is coming and now is here, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So what we see here, we see the statement, true worshippers." So let me tell you this if there's true worshipers, that implies that there's false worshipers. Okay, so But we want to focus on the true worshipers. It says, they will worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is addressing the how. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now I think about that. God's looking for those that will worship him in spirit and truth. He's searching them out. He's seeking them out. And then verse 24 goes on to say, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So the second time, Jesus emphasizes that phrase, worshiping him in spirit and truth. So what does that mean? How can we break that down? Well, worshiping in spirit and truth means that we subject to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. We follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life, at the same time being grounded in the truth of the word. The truth is what grounds us and the Holy Spirit is what leads us in line with the scripture, in line with the truth of his word. See, if we truly, here's another quote from John Stott. It says, if we truly worship God, acknowledging and adoring his infinite worth, we find ourselves impelled to make him known to others in order that they may worship him too. Thus, worship leads to witness, and witness in turn to worship. It's a perpetual circle. And so I think that's important. When when we get into that place of worship, it's going to impact your witness. As a worship of God, your witness will take on a new dimension. and Because it's going to affect your attitude, it's going to affect your outlook, It's going to affect your perspective. You won't be Mr. Grumpy or Miss Grumpy. You won't be the down and out all the time. You know, if you're a believer and you have a sad look on your face all the time, you're just Mr. or Mrs. Gloom and Doom, you're not going to be a good witness to those that have a need for Christ and are searching him out. And so, yeah. Sometimes, you know, if you're happy, you need to notify your face. If you have joy. Because <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes, you know, I'm happy on the inside. <laughs> no. Yeah, I might as well, notify your face, okay? All right. So, who is the Father seeking? Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth, allowing the Spirit of God to reside in their life and to direct them as well as having a foundation of truth in your life that you build your life on. So I I made a list this morning, and this is actually a list of what I call true worshipers. And so maybe you can identify where you, and this is not to uh, maybe make you feel bad. This is more to challenge you, to encourage you, to identify what are signs of a true worshiper. Okay, true worshipers are God-centered and not self-centered. That's a big one. Um, True worshipers listen to God's word and they obey it. True worshipers desire God's will regardless of the cost. They're committed to serve God and to know him personally and intimately. True worshipers deny themselves to be Jesus' disciple, and they follow him. Jesus said, if you can't be my disciple, you can't follow me unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. True worshipers are thankful and grateful, and believe it or not, they're pleasant people to be around. They're pleasant people to be around. Uh, True worshipers have a sincere desire for everything that God has for their life. Uh, true worshipers love God and they love people. They're not mean spirited. They're not hateful. They're not resentful. They're forgiving. Okay? True worshipers carry the presence of God with them. True worshipers don't live defeated lives because they understand the revelation that God has made us more than conquerors. True worshipers express themselves freely in worship. Now, I can remember the time when I went into service similar to this and I saw people raising their hands. I'm thinking, that's crazy. (laughs) How can those people do that? I, I would never do that. That's what I told myself. But then when really God began to get a hold of my life and I began to read like, this scripture here, Psalm 63, 4. It says, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And I can remember the first time in the service, a worship song is being sung, and a few people are lifting their hands, and I, I go half mask. Okay, I'm I'm doing pretty good here. <laughs> and I felt, oh, this feels okay. And I went a little higher. Whoa! And I lifted my hands in obedience to the scripture. And I felt just God begin to engulf me in that place of worship. And you know, to be expressive in worship now, some personalities might be different. I'm just not expressive. Well, everybody can lift their hands. And what is it? It's a form of surrender. What's the first thing if you, you know, if law enforcement is after you, they say, lift up your hands. whoa. Why? It's a form of surrender. They can see what's in your hands. You have nothing in your hands. We have nothing in our hands that we can really offer God except our praise and worship. And so we lift up our hands and I tell you, I'll challenge you next time. Just try it. Maybe go (laughs) one-handed. Or for some of you, it might be maybe just put it out there. (laughs) There's so many. I saw a video like all the worship styles, you know. The way, we're, mm, <laughs> all kinds of ways to express worship, and um, I mean, people can get on their knees. They can, there's just so many ways. Okay, uh, so number three, um, the third point is a worship lifestyle requires that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, so, and I want to say this: do not limit your perspective of worship to what we experience in church. Worship encompasses much more, and I believe is deeper than the songs that we sing. Worship is a heartfelt expression of our gratitude for the mercies of God. And so singing is one way that we can express worship. But true worship, I believe, requires a sacrifice when you present your body to him. And let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. And and this is important as we look at this. Romans 12, starting at verse 1. It says, therefore, and if you want to find out why therefore is there, you have to go back to chapter 11. But we're not going to do that this morning. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Wow. See, in the Old Testament, the worship was always expressed through sacrifice. You know, sacrifice a lamb, a turtle dove, and all of that was uh, to demonstrate uh, that there had to be a sacrifice uh, for God's mercy to to be ministered to the people. And what God's calling us, calling upon us for, is for us to be a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. That's made clear here. Where we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever done that in your life, but there's moments where I've done that. Lord, I just present myself to you as a living sacrifice. And in that moment, God begins to encounter me because I'm acting out what we see spoken here in Romans 12, chapter 1. And so Romans 12, chapter 1 tells us what we do with these bodies. And I tell you, these bodies can mess us up. They can be messed up, you know, with different desires that we know are not healthy. And, but when we present our bodies to God, then we can be used of God. These bodies can be used to serve his purpose. And it goes on to say in verse 2, because verse 1 talks about what we do with these bodies, but verse 2 tells us what to do with our minds. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We do that through what we see in the word of God. It transforms our thinking. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's a progression to move from what's good to him, what's pleasing to him, what's his perfect will. And that's the journey we're all on. As we present our bodies to God, as we renew our minds to his word, then we can fulfill the destiny that he's determined for our lives. So in this passage, we we see the elements, I believe, of true worship. We see the motivation to worship which is the mercies of God. Now, we talk about the mercies of God. What is that? Uh, and, and let me tell you this. When, when we're in Africa, and anyone that goes to me, to Africa, one of the big takeaways is how passionately the Africans worship God. They have so much less than we do, but yet their worship is so extravagant. And, and I think people are greatly inspired by the passion in which they worship they have very little compared to the standard, but they worship like they have everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's convicting, it's really convicting. And um, so, coming back here, maybe add a little step to my worship. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and I'm not a dancer. Don't ask me to dance. I was always the sideliner, growing up, I'd go to a dance and I'd just sit on the sidelines uh, because I'm kind of awkward and I don't have a lot of coordination when it comes to dancing really the only time I danced is on a wedding day with my wife, and uh, she was instructing me, teaching me on the dance floor, and and she had this dress with a long uh, robe, and there were all these like beads, like um braided, not robe, but what do you call it? Train, okay, train, yeah, <laughs> Ro- robe. And so all these little beads are embroidered into the train. And I keep stepping on it. And so beads are going all over over the dance floor. And then people are, (laughs) you would have been there. So, amen. So, let's get back on track here, okay, before. So God's mercies are everything we have received from him. Mercy is an expression of love. So through his mercy, and and through his mercy we receive what we don't deserve, but through his mercy we received his eternal love, his eternal grace, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We receive through his mercy everlasting peace, eternal joy, saving faith, comfort, strength, wisdom, hope, patience, kindness, honor, glory, righteousness, Security, eternal life, forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, sanctification, those are big terms, freedom, uh, intercession, and much more. Realize that the knowledge and the understanding of these incredible gifts motivate us to worship him. We have so much to be thankful for for what Jesus has done for us. So, at this time... Um, Let's look at Psalms 107. The worship team can come up here. Um, Psalms 107:9 says, "For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things." Um, ask yourself the question, What is the Holy Spirit speaking to me through this message today? Hopefully you're challenged to make a determination to adopt or embrace a worship lifestyle. There's an initial sign, I believe, of revival um, that we see. And I believe it's a deep longing for the presence of God. If we want to see revival in our land, if we want to see revival in this church, there needs to be a longing for the presence of God. And I believe finding true satisfaction that only comes from right relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe that revival can be viewed as something corporate, but yet it's also an individual move of God in our lives. Um, And I'm an advocate for personal revival um, because I think it's contagious. When God begins to move in your life, it can can become contagious to others around you. I believe that revival can and should begin with us when our spiritual hunger exceeds our mediocrity, when we no longer want to remain complacent or just refuse to settle for less than what God has for us. I believe we need to. I want to encourage you to reach out for more and and to embrace all that God has for you because it will be something you never regret reaching out for more. This morning, as we bring the service to a close, Psalm 100 is a psalm of praise, and I'm going to read this to you. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. That's a powerful psalm. And I encourage you maybe this week, reflect upon that. And allow God to speak to you through the phrases, through the verses which we just read. Before we close this service, I'm going to extend an invitation. And the invitation is for those that may not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know him as your Lord and you've never really embraced his Lordship in your life. Because to experience the presence of God, the invitation is to come before him, to acknowledge him as as the one who died on the cross for you and to receive from him the gift of eternal life, to repent from your sins, to acknowledge I'm a sinner, I need a savior. See, human pride is the number one thing that keeps us from coming to God. But when we acknowledge our need for a savior, when we humble ourselves, we can receive the gift of eternal life. We can receive all who Jesus is and all that he does. So, with every, let's stand up together. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now, I'm going to just ask this simple question Do you know that your life is right with God? Maybe you've walked with God, maybe you've drifted away from Him um, at one point, but today is a day to come to Him, to receive Him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I'm ready to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, to surrender my life to him, to embrace his lordship. I'm willing to repent for what I've done wrong, my sins, and give my heart to Jesus. If that's you, just lift up up your hand and we're going to pray for you and with you in just a moment. Anyone, say, I want to be right with you, Jesus. I want to know and experience your presence. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer together. We call this the Believer's Prayer where we can embrace Jesus and place our faith and our trust in Him that can initiate a journey with God as we um, walk with Him. Repeat after me if you would, Heavenly Father. I open my heart to You. I acknowledge my need for You. I repent for my sin and I give You my heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Thank you for loving me. I receive you now. Forgive me of my sin and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I believe that for the first time God's doing something in you right now. Uh, in a, l- a moment, we're going to have a prayer team up here, and we invite you to come to receive further prayer. And if anyone that has need here today, God wants to meet you in the place of prayer. Thank you so much for being so attentive to the word this morning. As we close the service, we're going to sing a song that's one of my favorites, and it's embracing the presence of God. So worship him with everything that's in you, and feel free to lift your hand.